calling 510-848-5732. And we got the thumbs up. Thank you so, so much for everyone who's called in pledge. It wasn't a leap of faith. We knew you would come through for us, so thank you so much. I know. You turn on KPFA one cold morning and you hear... Our phone number is 510-848-5732. And you think, oh no, another fund drive. Wasn't there a fund drive just two weeks ago or a month ago or whatever? I know they got to pay the bills, but why do they have to interrupt my favorite program? And you listen anyway. And after a few days, you start thinking about a program on... And you think that you might want that fund drive gift for yourself or, or maybe a friend or... Uh, but it's too late to pledge but it's not just go to kpfa.org and pledge securely online to receive any of the hundreds of thank you gifts offered during this fund drive visit kpfa.org for more information to pledge or to download a show as a podcast and thank you in advance for your support that's right. We are in the fun drive here. We're trying to bring it home, and we could only do it with your help. It's listener-sponsored radio for Northern California here on 94.1 KPFA, 89.3 KPFB in Berkeley, 88.1 KFCF in Fresno, and online at kpfa.org. And we continue with special programming here. Normally, you hear cover-to-cover open book and along those lines we're bringing you a celebration of the arts here of the spoken word in another way if you will we're presenting a amazing collection an anthology of african-american political oratory designed for the ear and the eye in say it plain This is a sampling from the great stream of words spoken by black Americans exhorting the nation to make good on its democratic principles. And we're also going to be hearing On My Journey, a beautiful collection of uh, Paul Robeson's music, who's an American giant of the 20th century music. Paul Robeson stood tall against racism, McCarthyism, and blacklisting to proclaim the majesty of African-American culture. And we're presenting this CD, On My Journey, which inaugurates the Smithsonian Folkways African American Legacy Series. So without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and start off with Mary McLeod Bethune, who was called the first lady of the struggle for her influence on the Roosevelt administration civil rights issues and in 1904 Bethune founded a small school for black girls in Florida that she quickly built into a thriving college prep and vocational training program in 1923 she merged the school with Cookman College to create the first fully accredited black institution of higher learning in the state and here we we're going to be listening to her speech an excerpt I should say of what does American democracy mean to me and this was held in New York back in 1939 so stay with us democracy is for me and for 12 million black Americans the goal to which our nation is marching it is a dream and an ideal in whose ultimate realization we have a deep and abiding faith Under God's guidance in this great democracy, we are rising out of the darkness of slavery into the light of freedom. 
Here my race has been afforded opportunity to advance from a people 80% illiterate to a people 80% literate, from abject poverty to the ownership and operation of a million farms and 750,000 homes, from total disfranchisement to participation in government, from the status of chattels to recognized contributors to the American culture. As we have been extended a measure of democracy, we have brought to the nation rich gifts. We have helped to build America with our labor, strengthened it with our faith, and enriched it with our song. Mary McLeod Bethune, the First Lady of Struggle, speaking about what America means to me. And we're going to be bringing you more of of what you've just heard. Coming up is going to be Thurgood Marshall talking about the case, the famous case, if uh, people do not know who Thurgood Marshall is. He it was a United States Supreme Court judge, and he is here talking in 1958, prior to being a Supreme Court judge, he uh, he actually was the director of the um, National Association for the Advancement of Colored People back in back back in the day. And here he's arguing in 1958. He's actually arguing a case titled the Cooper versus Aaron and this was talking about white people children and uh talking about what they lose out on in uh segregation so stay with us we have given you Paul Lawrence Dunbar, Sorry about that bear Booker with me Washington Marion Anderson and George Washington Carver but even these are only the first fruits of a rich harvest which will be reaped when new and wider fields are opened to us. The democratic doors of equal opportunity have not been opened wide to Negroes. In the Deep South, Negro youth is offered only one-fifteenth of the educational opportunity of the average American child. The great masses of Negro workers are depressed and unprotected in the lowest levels of agriculture and domestic service, while the black workers in industry are barred from certain unions and generally assigned to the more laborious and poorly paid work. Their housing and living conditions are sordid and unhelpful. They live too often in terror of the lynch mob, are deprived too often of the constitutional right of suffrage, and are humiliated too often by the denial of civil liberties. We do not believe that justice and common decency will allow these conditions to continue. Our faith envisions a fundamental change as mutual respect and understanding between our races come in the path 
of spiritual awakening. Certainly, there have been times when we may have delayed this mutual understanding by being slow to assume a fuller share of our national responsibility because of the denial of full equality. And yet, we have always been loyal and the ideals of American democracy have been attacked. We have given our blood in its defense from Christmas Abbots on Boston Commons to the battlefields of France. We have fought for the democratic principles of equality under the law, equality of opportunity, equality at the ballot box, for the guarantees of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. We have fought to preserve one nation conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. Yes, we have fought for America with all her imperfections, not so much for what she is, but for what we know she can be. Mary McLeod Bethune speaking about what America, what does America democracy mean to me back in New York City, 1939. This is the offering that we're bringing you today during the next half an hour till 3.30. Say it plain, uh, an amazing collection, a sampling from the great stream of words spoken by black Americans here for you to um, appreciate. It is a very a dense book as well as the recordings of you as you just heard this is yours for the asking if you call now and pledge your support for KPFA again for a hundred dollar pledge you could get the book say it plain along with the recordings that you hear uh, that you're listening to I'm going to go ahead and move to Thurgood Marshall as he's arguing in 1958 uh, in the case of Cooper versus Aaron, where they, Little Rock, Arkansas, they're not following uh, the desegregation uh, national um, decision. And so he is arguing what white children lose when they live under segregation. Stay with us. They're good, Marshall. The objective of the proceedings is that the Little Rock schools be returned from desegregated to segregated status as of September school term. I think we have to think about these children and their parents, these Negro children that went through this every day, and their parents that stayed at home wondering what was happening to their children, listening to the radio about the bomb threats and all of that business. I don't see how anybody under the sun could say that after those children and those families went through that for a year to tell them, all you have done is gone. You fought for what you considered to be democracy and you lost. And you go back to the segregated school from which you came. I just don't believe it. And I don't believe you can balance those rights. Education is not the teaching of three R's. Education is teaching of the overall citizenship to learn to live together with fellow citizens and above all, to learn to obey the law. And the damage to the education in Arkansas and in Little Rock and in Central High 
comes about through the order of Judge Limley, which says that not only the school board and the state can and should submit to mob violence and threats of mob violence, but that the federal judiciary likewise should do so. I don't know of any more horrible destruction of principle of citizenship than to tell young children that those of you who withdrew rather than to go to school with Negroes, those of you who were punished last year, the few that the school board did punish, come back, all is forgiven, you win. And therefore, I'm not worried about the Negro children at this stage. I don't believe they're in this case as such. I worry about the white children in Little Rock who are told as young people that the way to get your rights is to violate the law and defy the lawful authorities. I'm worried about their future. I don't worry about those Negro kids' future. They've been struggling with democracy long enough. They know about it. The way this case stands, there must be a definitive decision. I hate to use the two together. They, I mean, it's bad English, but it's the best way I can do it. That there'll be no doubt in Arkansas that the orders of that district court down there must be respected and cannot be suspended and cannot be interfered with by the legislature or anybody else. And less than that, I don't think we'll give these young children the protection that they need and they most certainly deserve. On the journey now, Mount Zion, the journey now, Mount Zion, I wouldn't take nothing, Mount Zion, for my journey now, Mount Zion. One day, one day, I was walking along, well, the elements open, and the love come down, Mount Zion. On my journey now, Mount Zion, my journey now, Mount Zion, I wouldn't take nothing, Mount Zion, for my journey now, Mount Zion. You can talk about me just as much as you please. Well, I'll talk about you when I get on the knees, Mount Zion. Wow, I hate to do this, and um, I'm sure you're not going to appreciate my voice over Paul Robeson, but I have, again, once again, provided a few clips of what we are offering for the next half hour, and I need to come to you and ask you to pledge your support for KPFA and as you hear in the background we're listening to Paul Robeson American giant of the 20th century music who suffered so much under McCarthyism he stood tall against racism and he uh, was blacklisted and his big 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 wrong that he did was to proclaim the majesty of the African American culture he uh, recorded this beautiful music that you're hearing 
on his own Othello label in the 50s. And here we uh, hear him singing uh, beautiful traditional spirituals and folk melodies. And I'm hoping that you feel inclined to pledge your support for KPFA, to pledge your support for the arts here today This for the next few minutes. I'm Amelia Gonzalez. I'm the ar- uh, director here of the Arts and Cultural Programming, and we are able to offer you the On My Journey, Paul Robeson's, uh, Robeson's independent recordings for a donation of $75, or you could get the uh, amazing book, Say It Plain, A Century of Great African-American Speeches, that you heard, you heard Thurgood Marshall talk about what we lose as a society, not just black children. You know, he was very clear. Black children already know what struggle means. But what about white children? What are we teaching them when we allow segregation to reign supreme? And that's a question, unfortunately, that we still have to ask ourselves today. Prior to that, you heard Mary uh, McLeod Bethune talking about what democracy means to her. I'm going to play a little bit of Dick Gregory and Lonnie Guineer, and I'm hoping that you go to the phone and pledge your support for KPFA in this half hour. And uh, you can do that, again, by calling 1-800-439-5732. That's 1-800-H-E-Y-K-P-F-A. Or locally, you can call 848-5732. And again, $75 gets you this great recording on my journey, Paul Robeson's independent recordings through his independent label, Othello, or you could get the book, Say It Plain, The African-American Speeches. And I'm just able to bring you just a little bit of what is uh, involved here. You, Like I mentioned, we heard Mary McLeod Bethune, but let me tell you who's on it as well that you I won't be able to play for you. But Fannie Lou Hamer, who uh, helped lead the fight for black voting rights in Mississippi. You also get to hear uh, Stokely Carmichael, a young civil rights organizer who popularized the slogan black power you get to hear of course martin luther king jr and uh, shirley chisholm the first african-american woman to be elected in congress this is all yours and you get the recordings as well as the book of speeches that has been put out and edited by Catherine ellis and stephen drury smith yours for the asking if you call now let me remind you that a hundred dollars is eight dollars and 33 cents if you do our month a monthly uh, sustainer rate it's a great way to help us out as well as maybe making it a little less painful for you i know that you have hard-earned dollars and we're hoping that you could help us out right now we got one person on the line we're hoping to get more i'm going to go ahead and trust that you do call in we're going to listen to Dick Gregory, as he uh, describes coming out of jail when he was in, let me just get this right here, but when he was, sorry, I have, I'm coming down with a cold here, in Birmingham, Alabama in 1963 when he uh, had just come out of jail. So do stay with us. And there had so many Negroes in jail over there today. I was in when you looked out the window and seen one of them walking around free, you knew he was a tourist. <laughs> I got back to Chicago last night, and the guy said, well, how would you describe the prison scene? I said, baby, it was just wall-to-wall us. <laughs> so I don't know, really, when you stop to think about it, that, 
That's mighty horrible food they was giving us over there. First couple of days, it tastes bad and looked bad, and after that, it tastes like home cooking. <laughs> Matter of fact, it got so good the third day, I asked one of the guards for the recipe. Well, you know, really, I don't mind going to jail myself. I just hate to see Martin Luther King in jail. For, for various reasons. One, when the final day get here, he's going to have a hard time trying to explain to the boss upstairs how he spent more time in jail than he did in the pulpit. But when I read in the paper in Chicago where they had him in jail, Good Friday, I said, that's good. And I was praying and hoping when they put him in Good Friday, they had checked back there Easter Sunday morning, and he would have been gone. Yeah, that would have shook up a lot of people, wouldn't it? No more option block for me. for me is what Paul Robeson is talking about singing about this is one of his most militant songs that you're hearing and prior to that you heard Dick Gregory we are able to offer you two premiums today whichever one you would like if you'd like to get both please call in at 1-800-439-5732 or 848-5732. The book, along with the recordings of these amazing speeches that you've heard, A Century of Great African American Speeches, you can call with a $100 pledge. And we're going to go and listen to Lonnie Guineer. Stay with us. Is an issue of blame and punishment. Who is guilty and who is innocent? Who is at fault for the breakdown of our moral compass on this and other controversial issues? Individual bigots or race-obsessed blacks? Right-wing zealots or left-wing black nationalists? Individual incumbents or their individual opponents? The media, the Congress, the American people? In this polarized winner-take-all climate, our so-called leaders have lost the political will to do more than simply condemn our problems. Even worse, they have lost the political imagination to do more than censure the victims or blame the victimizers. Concerns about excess welfare dependency and random violence are certainly real. 
But our elected officials have failed to cast a debate over the country's future in terms of new or compelling ideas. We are stuck in a 1960s paradigm where government specially dispenses to deserving individuals the formal opportunity to overcome barriers erected by individual bigots. This kind of rights talk also assumes a winner-take-all positioning. It reinforces the notion that the government has taken sides in a zero-sum competition between us and them. It encourages the idea that me and my interests are incompatible with you and your rights. It promotes an approach in which we justify in the name of winning all the total disparagement of those who then lose all. But the answer is not to stay home and worry about how to allocate or apportion blame among them. The answer is to find democratic public spaces where we can communicate with them about us. The answer is to move away from the discourse of naming and blaming and to move toward a conversation of asking, telling, and listening. We need new democratic spaces to develop and implement new strategies for thinking and talking about race, about welfare reform, about crime. We need to identify ways to talk about controversial issues such as race among people who are deeply divided experientially and ideologically. We need to focus on dialogue and conversation as a way to begin communicating across difference. We need to remove the discussion of race from the culture of conflict, deception, and hypocrisy, which characterizes contemporary public discourse. That's right. That's Lonnie Guineer. Lonnie Guineer, who knows very well what it's like to be used as a scapegoat in the discussion of race in this country. Uh, for those of you who might not know, she uh, she's actually a tenured professor at Harvard since back in 98. Uh, she was a first tenured professor. In 1993, President uh, Clinton nominated Lanny Guineer to be Assistant Attorney General for Civil Rights. And she was attacked. She was called uh, everything from a quota queen. She was called Real America's Mad Woman. This is a scholar who has uh, done so much for the dialogue of race and education, equal education, and she was uh, very much demonized for that. And here she's speaking in 1994, after she went through all of that in 1993, talking about how important it is to have different voices talking about the, and making a national conversation conversation about race. This is part of Say It Plain, a century of great African-American speeches, and we are offering this for you. If you call now, it's a book as well as a, a CD of these recordings, a whole century of these recordings that we're offering to you today if you call 1-800-439-5732. 848-5732. You also heard Paul Robeson sing, uh, No More Auction Block for Me. This is, we're also offering that, um, for your, uh, pleasure, for your historical, uh, knowledge and, uh, exposure to his music on my journey, Paul Robeson's independent recordings for a $75 pledge, yours for the asking. I made that big mistake that I always do and bring you much more content that I'm supposed to. And now I'm short of time and Erica Bridgman, producer and, uh, producer at large here, producer extraordinaire is here helping me out because we need to raise some funds. 1-800- 439-5732-848-5732. 
5732. Yes, those are the numbers to call for your pledge of support this afternoon for Cover to Cover Open Book that comes to you every Friday from 3 to 3.30. As producer, one of the producers for the program, Radio Chronicles, we often um, dive into the Pacifica archives, the archives, uh, previous recordings of people who are no longer with us, who, but through the miracle of technology, we have their voices. And Paul Robeson is one of the people. Um, a lot of the uh, uh, speeches that you hear on Say It Plain are people who unfortunately aren't with us, but we do have their voices. And those voices can be yours. They can be remembered. You can have them for your family, for your children, for your community. Uh, pledge of support this afternoon for $100 for the book Say It Plain, African American Speeches, or the CD On My Journey, Paul Robeson's Independent Recording for a pledge of $75. The number, 510-848-5732 or 1-800-439-5732, 1-800-HEY-KPFA. Uh, we have phone volunteers in the, in the room this afternoon, all afternoon. They've been waiting to receive your call, and they're receiving your, waiting to receive your call this afternoon. Again, 510-848-5732 or 1-800-439-5732. We are indeed running out of time, but there are so many people here that I can't even begin to tell you. I started with uh, with the, some of the folks. Uh, John Hope Franklin is here speaking. Also, Shirley uh, Chisholm that we talked about earlier. Barbara Jordan, uh, Benjamin Hooks, uh, Joseph Laurie, and of course, uh, more recently, Jesse Jackson, uh, Janetta Cole, as you heard, Lonnie Guinier, uh talking about how we need to engage in a conversation about race and equity in education everywhere. And we also have Robin, uh, Randall Robinson talking about the debt and the reckoning back in 2002. Julian Bond talking about the broken promise of Brown versus Board of Education in 2004. An amazing wealth of uh, discussion of people that are no strangers to KPFA. Yours for the asking if you call now. We have